You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. This is a reading of a collection of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled Spiritualism, Madame Blavatsky, and Theosophy. This is Lecture 15, entitled Madame Blavatsky's Occult Imprisonment, given in Dornach on December 26, 1916. Ellipsis From what I have said, you will have seen that the painful events of our day are connected with impulses at work in more recent human karma, namely the karma of our whole fifth post-Atlantean period. Those who want to go more deeply into these matters will have to link outer events with what is happening more inwardly, but this can be understood only in the context of human evolution as seen by spiritual science. To begin with, we must take at face value certain facts that I have pointed out a number of times. I have frequently said that in the middle of the nineteenth century an attempt was made to draw the attention of modern humanity to the fact that in addition to forces and powers recognized by natural science, other forces of a spiritual kind exist in the universe. In other words, the attempt was to show that just as we perceive what is visible around us with our eyes, indeed with all our senses, so there are also spiritual impulses around us, which people who know about such things can bring to bear on social life, impulses that cannot be seen with the eye but are known to a more spiritual science. We know what path this more spiritual science took, so I need not go over it again. Around the middle of the nineteenth century, then, it was the concern of a certain center to draw people's attention to the existence, as it were, of a spiritual environment. This had been forgotten during the age of materialism. You also know that such things have to be tackled with caution, because a certain degree of maturity is necessary in those who assimilate such knowledge. Of course, not everyone who comes across this knowledge or is affected by it can be mature. This is in accordance with the laws of our time that underlie public life. Part of what must be done at such a time requires the testing of whether the knowledge may yet be revealed publicly. In the middle of the nineteenth century, two paths were possible to make this knowledge public. One, even then, would have been what we could describe by mentioning our anthroposophical spiritual science namely, to make comprehensible to human thinking what spiritual knowledge reveals about our spiritual environment. It is a fact that this could have been attempted at that time, but this path was not chosen. The reason was, in part, that those who possessed this esoteric knowledge were prejudiced because of traditions descending from ancient times against making such things public. These people felt that certain knowledge 
guarded by the secret brotherhoods, for it was still guarded at that time, should be kept within the circle of these brotherhoods. We have since seen that so long as matters are conducted in the proper way, it is perfectly acceptable today to reveal certain things. Naturally, it is unavoidable that some malicious opponents should appear, and always will appear, in circles in which such knowledge is made known. Such people are adherents for a time because it suits their passions and their egoism, but then they become opponents under all sorts of guises and make trouble. Also, when spiritual knowledge is made known in a community, this can easily lead to arguments, quarreling and disputes, of which, however, not too much notice can be taken, since otherwise no spiritual knowledge would ever be made known. But apart from these things, no harm is done if the matter is handled in the right way. But at that time, this was not believed. Ancient prejudice won the day. It was agreed to take another path. But as I have often said, this failed. It was decided to use the path of mediumistic revelation to make people recognize the spiritual world in the same way they recognize the physical world. Suitable individuals were trained to be mediums. What they then revealed through their lowered consciousness was supposed to make people recognize the existence of certain spiritual impulses in their environment. This was a materialistic way of revealing the spiritual world to people. It corresponded, to some extent, to the conditions of the fifth post-Atlantean period, insofar as this is materialistic in character. This way of handling things began, as you know, in America in the middle of the 19th century. But it soon became obvious that the whole thing was a mistake. It had been expected that the mediums would reveal the existence of certain elemental and nature spirits in the environment. Instead, they all started to refer to revelations from the kingdom of the dead. So the goal that had been set was not reached. I have often explained that the living can only reach the dead with an attitude that does not depend on lowering consciousness. You all know these things. At that time this was also known, and that is why when the mediums began to speak of revelations from the dead, it was realized that the whole thing was a mistake. This had not been expected. It had been hoped that the mediums would reveal how the nature spirits work, how one human being affects another, what forces are at play in the social organism, and so on. It had been hoped that people would start to recognize what forces might be used by those who understand such things, so that people would no longer be dependent solely on one another in the way they are when only their sense perceptions come into play, but would be able to work through the total human personality. This was one thing that went wrong. The other was that in keeping with humanity's materialistic inclinations, it soon became obvious what would have begun to happen if the mediumistic movement had spread in the way it threatened to do. Mediums would have been used to accomplish aims that ought to be accomplished only under the influence of natural, sense-bound reasoning. 
For some individuals it would have been highly desirable to employ a medium who could impart the means of discovering the knowledge that such people covet. I have told you how many letters I get from people who write, quote, I have a lottery ticket, close quote, or, quote, I want to buy a lottery ticket. I need the money for an entirely selfless purpose. Could you, tell me, could you not tell me which number will be drawn? Close quote. Obviously, if mediums had been fully trained in the techniques of mediumship, the resulting mischief with this kind of thing would have been infinite, quite apart from everything else. People would have started to go to mediums to find a suitable bride or bridegroom and so on. Thus it came about that, in the very quarter that had launched the movement, in order to test whether people were ready to take in spiritual knowledge, efforts were now made to suppress the whole affair. What had been feared in bygone times, when the abilities of the fourth post-Atlantean period still worked in people, had indeed now come to pass. In those days witches were burned, simply because those people who were called witches were really no more than mediums, and because their connections with the spiritual world, though of a materialistic nature, might cause knowledge to be revealed that would have been very awkward for certain people. For instance, it might have been very awkward for certain brotherhoods if, before being burned at the stake, a witch had revealed what lay behind them. For it is true that when consciousness is lowered, there can be a kind of telephone connection with the spiritual world, and that by this route all sorts of secrets can come out. Those who burned the witches did so for a very good reason. It could have been very awkward for them if the witches had revealed anything to the world, whether in a good or a bad sense, but especially in a bad sense. So the attempt to test the cultural maturity of humankind by means of mediums had gone awry. This was realized even by those who, led astray by the old rules of silence and by the materialistic tendencies of the nineteenth century, had set this attempt in train. You know, of course, that the activities of mediums have not been entirely curtailed, that they still exist even today. But the art of training mediums to a level at which their revelations could become significant has, so to speak, been withdrawn. By this withdrawal, the capabilities of mediums have been rendered more or less harmless. In recent decades, as you know, the pronouncements of mediums have come to amount to little more than sentimental twaddle. The only surprising thing is that people still set so much store by them. But the door to the spiritual world had been opened to some degree, and, moreover, this had been done in a manner which was untimely and a mistake. The birth and work of Madame Blavatsky came during this period. You might think that the birth of one person is insignificant, but this would be a judgment based on illusion. The important thing is that this whole undertaking had to be discussed among the brotherhoods. Much was discussed and brought into the open within the brotherhoods. But the nineteenth century was no longer like earlier centuries, when many methods had existed for keeping secret those things that had to be kept secret. Thus at a certain moment it happened that a member of one of the secret brotherhoods, who intended to use what he learned within these brotherhoods in a one-sided way, 
approached Madame Blavatsky. Apart from her other capacities, H.P.B. was an extremely gifted medium, and this person induced her to act as a connecting link for machinations that were no longer as honest as the earlier ones. The first, as we have seen, were honest, but mistaken. Up to this point the attempt to test people's receptivity had been perfectly honest, though mistaken. Now, however, came the treachery of a member of an American secret brotherhood. His purpose was to make one-sided use of what he knew with the help of someone with psychic gifts like Madame Blavatsky. Let us first look at what actually took place. When she heard what the member of the Brotherhood had to say, Madame Blavatsky naturally reacted inwardly to his words because she was psychic. She understood a great deal more about the matter than the one who was giving her the information. The ancient knowledge formulated in the traditional way lit up in her soul a significant understanding which she could hardly have achieved solely with her own resources. Inner experiences were stimulated in her soul by the ancient formulations, stemming from the days of atavistic clairvoyance, that were preserved in the secret brotherhoods, often without much understanding for their meaning on the part of the members. These inner experiences led in her to the birth of a large body of knowledge. She knew, of course, that this knowledge must be significant for present human evolution, and also that by taking the appropriate path, the knowledge could be utilized in a particular way. But Madame Blavatsky, being the person she was, could not be expected to use such lofty spiritual knowledge solely for the good of humankind as a whole. She hit upon the idea of pursuing certain aims that were within her understanding because she had come to this point in the manner I have described. So, now she demanded to be admitted to a certain occult brotherhood in Paris. Through this brotherhood she would start to work. Ordinarily she would have been accepted in the normal way, apart from the fact that it was not normal to admit a woman. This rule would have been waived in this case because it was known that she was an important individuality. However, it would not have served her purpose to be admitted merely as an ordinary member so she laid down certain conditions. If these conditions had been accepted, many subsequent events would have been very different, but at the same time this secret brotherhood would have pronounced its own death sentence, that is, it would have condemned itself to total ineffectiveness. So it refused to admit her. She then turned to America, where she was indeed admitted to a secret brotherhood. In consequence, she, of course, had acquired extremely significant insights into the intentions of such secret brotherhoods. Not those striving for the good of humankind as a whole, disregarding any conflicting wishes, but those whose purposes are one-sided and serve certain groups only. But it was not in Madame Blavatsky's nature to work in the way these brotherhoods wished. So it came about that under the influence of what was termed an attack on the Constitution of North America, she was excluded from this brotherhood. So, now she was excluded. But, of course, she was not a person who would be likely to take this lying down. Instead, she began to threaten the American Brotherhood 
with the consequences of excluding her in this way now that she knew too much. Excuse me, now that she knew so much. The American Brotherhood now found itself sitting under the sword of Damocles, for if, as a result of having been a member, Blavatsky had told the world what she knew, this would have spelled its death sentence. The consequence was that American and European occultists joined forces to inflict on Blavatsky a condition known as occult imprisonment. Through a certain machinations a sphere of imaginations is called forth in a soul that brings about a dimming of what the soul previously knew, thus making it virtually ineffective. It is a procedure that honest occultists never apply, and even dishonest ones only very rarely, but it was applied on that occasion in order to save the life that is the effectiveness of that secret brotherhood. For years Madame Blavatsky existed in this occult imprisonment, until certain Indian occultists started to take an interest in her because they wanted to work against that American brotherhood. As you can see, we keep coming up against occult streams that want to work one-sidedly. Thus Blavatsky entered this Indian current with with which you are familiar. The Indian Brotherhood was very interested indeed in proceeding against the American Brotherhood, not because they saw that they were not serving humanity as a whole, but because they in turn had their own one-sided, patriotically Indian viewpoint. By various machinations, the Indian and the American occultists reached a kind of agreement. The Americans promised not to interfere in what the Indians wanted to do with Madame Blavatsky, and the Indians engaged to remain silent on what had gone before. You can see just how complicated these things really are when you add to all this the fact which I have also told you about, that a hidden individual, a Mahatma behind a mask, had been instituted in place of Blavatsky's original teacher and guide. This figure stood in the service of a European power and had the task of utilizing whatever Blavatsky could do in the service of that particular European power. One way of discovering what all this is really about might be to ask what would have happened if one or the other of these projects had been realized. Time is too short to tell you everything today, but let us pick out a few aspects. We can always come back to these things again soon. Suppose Blavatsky had succeeded in gaining admission to the occult lodge in Paris. If this had happened, she would not have come under the influence of that individual who was honored as a Mahatma in the Theosophical Society, although he was no such thing. And the life of the occult lodge in Paris would have been extinguished. A great deal that this same Paris lodge may be seen to stand behind would not have happened or perhaps it would have happened in the service of a different, one-sided influence. Many things would have taken a different course, for the intention was also to exterminate this Paris Lodge with the help of the psychic personality of Blavatsky. If it had been exterminated, there would have been nothing behind all those people who have contributed to history, more or less like marionettes. Later on, certain matters were hushed up, obscured, by the fact that Madame Blavatsky was prevented by her occult imprisonment 
from publicizing the impulses of that American lodge and giving them her own slant, which she would doubtless otherwise have done. Once all these things had run their course, the only one to benefit from Blavatsky was the Indian Brotherhood. There is considerable significance for the present time in the fact that a certain sum of occult knowledge has entered the world one-sidedly with an Indian coloring. This knowledge has entered the world. It now exists. Ellipsis. Those who reckon with such things always count on long stretches of time. They prepare things and leave them to develop. These are not individuals but brotherhoods in which successor takes over from predecessor carrying on in a similar direction with what has been started. On the basis of the two examples I have given you of occult lodges, you can see that much depended on the actual impulses not being made public. I do not wish to be misunderstood, and I therefore stated expressly that the first attempt I described to you was founded on a certain degree of honesty. But it is extremely difficult for people to be entirely objective about humanity as a whole. There is little inclination for this nowadays. People are so easily led astray by the group instinct that they are not objective about humanity as a whole, but pay homage to one group or another, enjoying the feeling of, in quotes, belonging. But this is something that is no longer really relevant to the point we have reached in human evolution. The requirement of the present moment is that we should, at least to some degree, feel ourselves to be individuals and extricate ourselves, at least inwardly, from group things, so that we belong to humanity as human individuals. Even though at present we are shown so grotesquely how impossible this is for some people, it is nevertheless a requirement of our time. Ellipsis Now if Blavatsky had been able to speak out at that time, certain secrets would have been revealed, secrets I have mentioned as belonging to certain secret brotherhoods and connected with the striving of a widespread network of groups. I said to you earlier that definite laws underlie the rise and evolution of peoples, of nations. These laws are usually unknown in the external physical world. This is right and proper, for in the first place they ought to be recognized solely by those who desire to receive them with clean hands. What underlies the terrible trials humanity is undergoing and will undergo in the future is the interference in a one-sided way by certain modern brotherhoods with the spiritual forces that pulse through human evolution in the region in which, for instance, nations, peoples come into being. Evolution progresses in accordance with definite laws. It is regular and comes about through certain forces. But human beings interfere, in some part unconsciously, though if they are members of secret brotherhoods, they do so consciously. To be able to judge these things, you need to acquire a wider horizon. I showed you the forces of which Blavatsky became the plaything, in order to point out how such a plaything can be tossed about, from west to east, from America to India. This is because forces are at work that are managed by human beings for certain ends, by utilizing the passions and feelings of nationality, which have, however, in their turn, first been manufactured. This is most important. <laughs>
It is important to develop an eye for the way in which a person, because of the type of passions in her, in her blood, can be put in a certain position and be brought under the sway of certain influences. Equally, those who do this must know that certain things can be achieved, depending on the position in which the person is placed. Many attempts fail, but account is taken of long periods of time and of many possibilities. Above all, account is taken of how little inclination people have to pay attention to the wider, even the widest, context. Ellipsis, end of lecture 15.